Welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we blow our noses with Snot Girl, learn some more about the Autumn Lands, promote Jeff Johns, and review all the news from San Diego. Stay tuned for all this and more! Welcome, everybody, back to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! Oh, oh, all my worst nightmares have returned. Uh, After a brief, unexpected uh, hiatus last week, which we apologize for, and, uh, of course, the one apologizing currently is David, the one over there is Nick. And And I also apologize, because I think it was actually me and some kind of weird technical difficulties with... Technology. You're accepting the burden of responsibility in this. I'm impressed. David, I, I learned a long time ago that if you're responsible for something, take to, responsibility for it. Today you are a man. Uh, now, Nick, I need to know, are you going to be here in the episode, or are you going to be thinking about the sphere grid while we're talking? David, I told you I don't have a problem. You have I can, a problem. I, I'm not playing it right now. I don't have a TV with a PlayStation underneath my desk currently leveling up one of my characters. Not doing that. I, I, okay. Not, not at all. But I want I, I want to know. I want you to answer me truthfully. When this episode ends, are you going to go play Final Fantasy X until probably 1 or 2 in the morning? Your silence speaks volumes. Actually... Uh, depending on when we get up, when we're finished with the show, I told Anna that I would play the Platinum demo for Final Fantasy 15. So, ha! I'll be playing something, but hopefully not until 1.30 in the morning. I will say that today could have been some of the supplements I took, uh-huh. coupled with the fact that my that I, I definitely went to bed late and didn't get like a full night's rest. Uh-huh. Uh, and also it was busy, and I think that made me feel super anxious. Like, I just felt like... I actually feel weirdly fine now, but um, yeah, there was definitely some parts during the day where I was like, I know I can make it through the day, but I'm really tempted to just be like, yeah, I'm sick. I'm going to go home. And, but and go I home didn't. and play Final Fantasy X, which is what you would have done if you'd gone home. Be honest with yourself. Yeah, so yeah, so folks, uh, I have a problem. Been, uh, I was going to kind of explain it out more than just kind of use words to bottleneck complex situations. This is an intervention. We're here just um, to face it head on. What episode number is this? Uh, 98. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I, I think probably like a lot of our potential listeners, you know, I played video games a lot when I was a kid, you know, Nintendo, PlayStation, Dreamcast, love Dreamcast. And sometime I think, most, I think in high school, somewhere in high school, I just kind of dropped off. Like my brother went off to become an Uber gamer. I basically settled in with comic books. Couldn't video games just couldn't hold my attention. I just I would get frustrated easily and just kind of throw them away. Um, not literally, but um, just yeah, I, I just did not have the brain or the attention span or power for for to to power through a video game. And suddenly, around like February or March or something like that. I had some uh, work bonuses saved up, and I was like, you know what? I'm really excited for Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Uh, I'd like to invest in a PlayStation 4, and who know, maybe I'll find some other games. And I have not played Mirror's Edge Catalyst that much since it came out. Uh, it didn't end up being exactly what I hoped. I wouldn't say it's terrible. But I've also just been playing, like, I've played through the first three Uncharted's. Uh, and anyway, now I'm working through Final Fantasy X again, which is a game I did play back when it first came out. And I have found myself uh, a few late nights trying to get their Celestial weapons. If you don't understand anything that I'm saying, that's great. Uh, David, comic books came out today. Wow. I, do, you, do you feel better getting that all off your chest? I don't know what the point of that was. Uh, to give us a, a, a unique open to the show and then promptly not discuss it further and move on to comic books. Goodness. To the Batmobile. Let's go. I'll let you get by just this one time. As oh, thank you. 
we discuss some comics. Comics that came out this week, and some comics actually came out last week as well. That's that, crazy. Right. We didn't, we didn't just not do a show because there weren't comics. Uh, they still existed. And before we talk about what came out this week, I think uh, we should take a moment and talk about some stuff that hit the shelves last week. Primarily, we're going to talk about Snot Girl number one. Uh, if that the name of that comic is confusing and strange to you, well, strap in. This is going to be a ride. Uh, I gotta dig it out of my. Oh no! Oh no! My pile of comics is falling over. This is an award-winning moment. Hold on. This is the Oscar clip they're going to play. Okay. All right. I think we're good. I think we're good. I really need to put comics away this week. Uh, Snot Girl number one. Uh, written by Brian Lee O'Malley with art by Leslie Hung. Nick, do you want to give us the brief, the very brief uh, synopsis of what this book is about? So if you are familiar with Brian Lee O'Malley of Scott Pilgrim fame, you know that he's kind of got a pulse on, uh, which now I feel old because Scott Pilgrim really honestly finished up years ago and started even more years before that. But mm -hmm. He's, he's definitely got a pulse on sort of what's chic today. He Even if he's sort of being irreverent and making fun of, he's definitely got a handle as far as what hipster culture is and the sort of materialistic nature, not to say that previous generations are materialistic, but sort of our emphasis on brands and AKA hipsters. Anyway, he's got a handle on hipsters. Uh, Snot Girl, um, the, the titular Slot, 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 Dan, Dan Slot Girl. Dan Slot Girl. <laughs> Uh, the titular Snot Girl uh, is a blogger, uh, a fashion blogger, and she's got this whole online persona where she's chic and fun, um, you know, and beautiful. But the book really sort of plays up the underside of that. Is, is I think it's a lot of it's about sort of what we project to people uh, versus the actual reality. In this case, she has really bad allergies, so she's always blowing her nose and her nose is running. And internally, she has a lot of conflicts about herself and, she's very and hates the idea. She's very self-conscious. Uh, very, very self-conscious and hates the idea of people seeing her as anything other than perfect. Uh, clearly an inferiority complex. Um, and that's sort of like the basis of like the internal conflict of the book. Um, but of course, when we get to that last page, there's uh, she's going to have a lot of explaining to do uh, yes. going into the rest of the series yes. however long it might actually last i don't know if this is going to be an ongoing or not uh, actually i'm says new ongoing right in front of me but that can mean anything in uh, this day and age it's true it's true so uh yeah the reason this book is called snot girl is because that the uh the titular character who i don't know uh, lottie is her name lottie yeah. um, she kind of gives everybody these labels, like her best friends. She calls one of them cute girl, one of them norm girl. Uh, there's like a ton of other people like goth girl, skin. Well, that's a weird one. Scandy girl, shoe girl, grocery girl, latte boy. And she meets a new friend that she just calls cool girl. Now, we haven't really shied away from spoilers in this show, so I'm not going to do that now. Uh, but she ends up hanging out with cool girl and... Uh, while they are hanging out, uh, something very bizarre happens. She's on new medication that doesn't seem to be working. And when she goes to the bathroom to try to take care of her nose situation, cool girl busts her way in and ends up dying right in front of her. So so was the implication this... that she simply died right in front of her or that she actually killed cool girl? See, that is where, yeah, let's, let's just dive right into that because that's kind of the big question of this issue. Uh, and it's very ambiguous, obviously, probably for a reason. Uh, we will get answers as, as time goes on. But it's, yeah, I, I think it's intentionally at this point ambiguous uh, because the way it happens to this girl just have a brain aneurysm and fall over? Like, that doesn't seem super likely. Or uh, did Lottie actually, like, because of these new drugs, black out and kill her because she called her, like, what was it, snotty instead of Lottie? Or she heard snotty. Like, I think the, the idea is that maybe Cool Girl didn't give her a nickname and Lottie was hearing what she wanted, not necessarily wanted to hear, but was projecting something out from Cool Girl. Yeah, I'm not fully convinced that the entire bar scene happened. I think it happened. Or, I think it's really just the final scene that's nebulous. Oh, wait. So there's a scene. Now I'm looking at it again. Uh, okay. 
where because um, her pills Lottie's pills are on the floor and cool girl is walking towards her and she steps on a couple of the pills so I think it's maybe supposed to be that she slips on them and hits her head on the ground and dies that I think that's supposed to be what happens not super clear maybe that's entirely on purpose uh, but already you're, you know, you're starting this book off with kind of a strange premise. You have a fashion blogger who's super self-conscious. Okay. That like works, but she's got really extreme allergies and snots constantly running out of her nose. Okay. That's a little strange. She meets a new friend who dies by the end of the book. Where are we going with this man? <sighs> Great question. Um, so, I mean, it's Brian Lee O'Malley, which I think when you're, You've got six volumes of Scott Pilgrim, then you've got the book Seconds. Um, on one C, hand, he's got, got a style, but but as far as individual series are concerned or individual projects, you know, there's certain overlying thematic or overlying themes, like say Final Fantasy. Um, but you know, he tries to like take the book in just a completely unique direction from something mm -hmm. that he's done before. Is this a murder mystery? I guess it's kind of coming out like that. Did Lottie kill her? Did she slip? Um, what's the kind of truth behind it? Um, I, you know, it was Brian Lee O'Malley, which made me want to give the book a try. It's definitely, as far as my typical wheelhouse, out of it, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but I think that there was enough there that Lottie came across as, she didn't come across as particularly likable, though she didn't necessarily come across as like a you know, total biatch. Like she right. was just... You know, she was clearly complicated, very conflicted, but and, and obviously egocentric and self-centered as probably a YouTube fashion blogger probably is. Um, but there's enough juicy details there about her character that really immediately in this issue uh, um, grabs you and pulls you in. Um, so when I got up to ending, like I, I guess I just thought the series was going to be kind of like her kind of being two-faced or something uh -huh. and like i shouldn't have expected that so now with this kind of twist ending um so to speak uh i'm at least curious to pick up the next issue and figure out what's going where on it's all, where it's all going to lead so yeah. i guess that's me saying that i recommend people check it out yeah so i and as you said brian lee o'malley typically does stuff in, a, in more of a graphic novel format where he kind of has control from beginning to end Scott Pilgrim were was six books, you know, like big in, uh, increments, but they were still, you know, graphic novels. They weren't individual issues of the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the first individual issue of uh, something that Brian Lee O'Malley's written that I've read. And I thought that he actually he did a good job, uh, uh, you know, he of, of being able to tell uh, a story in 20 something pages and, and, you know, not having to rely on the, the bigger format. He does know how to do the chapters and he does the chapters in his other books, but those can go as long as he needs them to, uh, where this, you know, didn't feel like he, he ran out of space. He ran out of room. Like he used his, he used everything he had in the issue available to him really well. Uh, it is, it is strange, but it's not, out of my wheelhouse entirely, I would say it's, it's like just strange enough that I'm super curious about it. And I'm going to continue digging into it personally. Uh, it would have to get, it's, it's all of the weirdness of it is, doesn't just feel like weird for weirdness sake. Like it all kind of has a purpose and there is like an air of mystery around a lot of this. So I'm, I'm definitely in on this, uh, for the foreseeable future. I don't know. Brian Lee O'Malley hasn't steered me wrong yet, though I could end up burning the bridge with this one. Who knows? He doesn't need me. Oh, why, why start now? Why start now? Uh, but yeah, Snot Girl. It's uh, it's something that I would say people need to read for themselves to get a feel on. It's hard for it's a hard book for me to say to anyone like, oh, I think you're gonna like it or not. Like it's it. I think it's gonna vary from person to person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree, but I mean, if you like snot and fashion bloggers and all that, you should check it out. <laughs> yeah, don't let the name put you off. That's that's going to be the hard sell for a lot of people. Like, oh, I've got this great new book. It's called Snot Girl. No, she's not a superhero who's who uses snot as like projectiles. Like she plugs up one side of her nose, like one nostril, and out of the like, unblocked nostril, just shoots like pew 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 everywhere. You know, with her snot. <laughs> 
you're yes man i'm, I'm so glad that uh stan lee is not still making superheroes because that would happen most likely <laughs> um but let's get yeah. into some stuff from this week unless you have any other thoughts on snot girl no nah, yeah. i think i'm all uh blocked up <laughs> not a great segue mm. uh david what's going on in the lands of autumn Autumn Lands. So before I, I talk about Autumn Lands, another book that I almost talked about was Outcast, uh, mm-hmm. but I opted not to, but I still want to comment on it because this issue was frustrating. Uh, it's Outcast number 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this issue was just an entire conversation between Kyle Barnes and the devil, who might not be the devil. But what was frustrating about it is that there was so much there was so much going in circles of stuff we've already heard and stuff that's already been said and nobody was exp- like expressing things very clearly there was just a lot of roundabout talking and it was very frustrating it actually felt like a waste of an issue to be perfectly honest i just mm-hmm. wanted to get that off my chest and kind of put out like my frustrations out into the world you know but it's a safe space the book that i want to talk about this week is autumn lands number 12 and I've talked about Autumn Lands quite a bit on the show. Anthrop- anthropomorphic animals, uh, plus like the one human who got dragged into their mess because magic has stopped working and they think he's going to fix it. That's the very, very quick uh, version. And in this one, we get a, like a bit more history about this world. I think I actually talked about the last issue where there are these, uh, and if I hadn't, there uh, they came across this, uh, building, for lack of a better word, uh, where there were these what appeared to be like stone women, but it turns out they're actually like robots. Uh, and we get like a now in this issue we get like a history of the world. Uh, Wait, sorry, I, I missed that part. Who's robot? Who's a robot? So they came across this building that had like these stone-looking women okay. there, and they in this issue they're revealed to be these robots. Uh, because uh, at one point in post our history, but pre the Autumn Lands history, uh, there was a part where much of the Earth was uninhabitable, and it was like covered in what looked like, uh, I mean, essentially like molten lava. And uh, these people went out on this ship. Um, which like kind of has like a very sci-fi feel to it. They they find some land, and they set up this thing. Uh, I mean, they call it molten stone, and they set up this like device that creates these golems, uh, which they give them the form of women because you know they're gross, lonely men, uh, and the robot women start going out into like the molten rock and converting it into energy. Uh, and like releasing it into the atmosphere, which is where magic comes from. Uh, and then they kind of just got left there for all this time. Uh, you know, obviously like magic is dissipating because whether or not this is the original source of magic or there's other sources of magic, now we can kind of glean that, you know, the magic was released into the atmosphere has been all except used up at this point. And there's not any more of this energy to convert and and create into more magic. Uh, and, you know, as this issue progresses, we learn more about the Galatians, as they're called, these robot women. And they're really, really sad lives. They're essentially slaves. Uh, and they, you know, they explain, they show all of the, uh, the warehouses where the energy was originally stored and it's all empty. Uh, and as Leroy is kind of coming to terms with this, trying to figure out like, is there a way to free these robot women from these lives of slavery? Like, is there a way for them to exist in the world as they want to? Uh, and as he's kind of struggling with that question, that like very suddenly they turn on him and they get really angry. And they're like, you know, you're not because they, believed him to be a master because he was human. It's like, you're not a master, but because you've been kind to us, we're going to allow you to escape. Uh, so Leroy and Dusty run away just as they start exploding. And they're filled with like, with uh, some toxic waste, essentially. Uh, so when that magic gets out, it starts corrupting stuff. 
uh, and they start exploding all over this mountain, which is really bad because uh, it's going to cause all sorts of issues in the future. And it also causes uh, this woman who appeared in a previous issue, a human woman. Uh, the bee woman? The bee woman, yes. Uh, to see the explosions and is going to get drawn to them in, in the cover of next week. It seems like she's going to meet up with Leroy and Dusty uh, at this point. For those who do not remember or have not been paying attention, we had not seen another human until she randomly appeared and then disappeared and is apparently going to appear next issue. So I'm really digging Autumnlands more and more uh, with the way that they're able to give us history and progress the story forward. Mm -hmm. uh, which, like, they could spend a bunch of time uh, just having a couple of issues of flashback stuff, but, like, not really going anywhere in the main storyline. Like, kind of by contrast, uh, an issue of Future Quest came out this week, the third issue, and it's background on a couple of characters, so it's just a couple of flashback stories, which is cool because it gives you more information on some of the characters, but we're also just just the beginning of the story, and it kind of sucks to like now put that all on pause because oh wait we better explain to you who these people are. Um, where this is like they they do a really good job of giving a lot of information uh, while still cutting back to the present and you know having the characters still doing stuff that matters. They're not just sitting around thinking. Uh, you know there's th there's things of consequence on these pages. Uh, mm. The art continues to be wonderful. Uh, really, my complaint with Autumnlands is that it doesn't come out enough, and it had a couple of long hiatuses uh, due to some health concerns and whatnot, which was which was very disappointing but understandable. Uh, and I just hope that now this team is kind of on solid ground enough that they can keep uh, that keep working and keep turning out stuff on a fairly regular basis. Mm. Uh, this is like becoming a storyline where there's more and more people. It's kind of like reaching saga, not entirely saga levels, but there's more people that I, as each issue comes out, that I'm like, they would really, really enjoy this book. And like, I want to start going to get the trades now so I could start lending them out to people and having more people dig into this really cool world. I'm really curious. You know, they keep hinting that Leroy, who even came from our future, was involved in some like crazy techno wars uh but in between his time and the time that he's now drawn into like stuff goes really crazy the earth was uninhabitable it was covered in molten rock yet people still existed and like found ways to convert all that molten rock into energy that was later harnessed as magic like, it's it's just getting all so crazy but it's not hard to track like I'm, I'm able to keep on with what's going on with everything they're saying. Uh, I have a million questions that they are doing a good job of answering. And yeah, each answer brings about more questions, but it feels like a natural order of things. It doesn't feel like they're just jerking me around and playing with my expectations in the way that sort of outcast did this week where it was, ah, oh man, we're going to like, we're going to almost talk about, we're going to almost explain things, but we're not going to. Outcast. Um, right. Exactly. And I'm just saying, this is issue 12. Outcast is on issue 19. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing that, just throwing that out there. I'm just saying, I'm saying numbers. What do they even mean? I don't know. Hollywood uh, stars and celebrities. Do they know things? Let's find out. <laughs> what do they know? Um, do they know things? Let's find out. You know, and, and something, or I, I don't exactly know what Autumnland's Endgame is, of course, or how long they plan on producing it. Kirkman's kind of at this point where I'm assuming Outcast is going to be a book unto Invincible and The Walking Dead, where he's content to just kind of let it go for as long as it's going to go. So when we're talking 50 to 100 plus issues, potentially, oh, like... And and he and the book will probably be able to sustain that readership to make it happen. Yeah, you know he can kind of just pad things out. Unfortunately, have and I think when you when you don't have that sense of urgency per se, and this is obviously me making a lot of conjecture and assumptions, but then you can end up with issues like this that feel like a waste in the sense, like okay, well I've read the last say eighteen issues, and you're just repeating questions and mysteries that have that we've been trying to figure out since the beginning but not actually adding anything to it so it just feels like buffer yeah yeah it, 
Exactly. Which uh, apparently Kirkman just revised the ending to The Walking Dead again. Uh, he said that it's changed in his mind, which he's like, oh, well, I was probably going to end it issue 200, but now I'm going to go for 250 because I like that money. Sweet, sweet money. No, he I don't, has, I'm he not has no incentive to end it, though. No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that like that's his incentive is like you know to make money. I'm sure that's I'm sure he's making good money off of The Walking Dead, especially as the TV properties continue to evolve, and there's a Universal Studios attraction. Um, but it just it it could get to the point where it's like maybe he has a really solid idea on how to end it, but nobody's gonna say like yeah that's good stop there. Like if he wanted to be like no but this but then suddenly alien zombies it would it would just happen because who's gonna stop him. I mean, yeah, I would say, despite, you know, every writer has some dud issues. So if you, you know, from your opinion, if you want to count this outcast issue as a dud, like that's, do. that happens. Um, you know, I would say that Robert Kirkman, as far as I can tell as a writer, you know, has, is, is clearly very skilled, knows how to build his audience and knows how to build a story, whether or not every particular chapter works. So I would say that he would probably know if he ever got to a point with alien zombies that he probably jumped the shark. Um, obviously all the, um, uh, bean counters in his orbit are going to be like, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Cause as long as the masses are still buying it, they're going to be like, why let go of a good thing right. from a storytelling standpoint, the story is going to have to end at some point. Yeah. Well, speaking of dud issues, Nick, why don't we talk about action comics? Number nine sixty. Tell us what's going on. All right, so this issue by uh, so first up, this is this is issue. I think it must be number five at this point. I think um, as part of the rebirth era uh, has been featured a altercation between the pre fifty two Superman and uh, a Doomsday, more reminiscent of uh, from his timeline slash universe. Even though this the New Fifty Two universe has already experienced an altercation with Doomsday, supposedly a couple of different times. So, um, Dan Jurgens, the writer, um, for those that don't know, uh, actually wrote the original Doomsday story, aka the death of Superman. <sighs> and this, in the last like five issues, have done everything they can to remind you almost every page that yes, Doomsday killed Superman. <laughs> yes, it was very upsetting. No, he does not want his son to know. But I gotta stop. I, I, this at this time I've basically been like okay I think I'm done with this now I was enjoying the handful of issues I was reading from Dan Jurgens who basically helped launch this the pre-52 Superman back into the new 52 with mm-hmm. the the Lois and Clark series mm-hmm. and maybe it was the Lee um Lee Weeks art or something like but I was really digging it that it was kind of cliche a little cheesy like Dan Jurgens has, has a writing style that hasn't really evolved with the times per se but then he came onto this book, and I want to say it started out strong. The first couple of issues, I was like, I'm down with this. The characters seem interesting. Like, he's got a good handle on them. But then it's like issue by issue goes by, and at least for the last four, because I think the first issue ended with Doomsday showing up. So for the last four issues, it's literally be, been spinning in its heel, spinning on its heels. Superman just fighting Doomsday. Just insert action scene here where Superman's dropping a train car on him or being punched into a sewer or being thrown around and knocked into a building or vice versa or punching him and talking about how he Doomsday killed him once and he needs to stop him and Lex Luthor gets in the way to try and help but then gets hurt and does it like five times and then oh there's a Clark Kent running around mm-hmm. kind of waving like nope I'm the real Clark Kent nope I was never Superman or something like that just like getting in the way and everyone like like the city i mean you're looking at the the surroundings and like the city is mangled like i mean to not put it lightly like we're talking like 9-11 looking destruction landscape you know what mm-hmm. i mean like falling buildings and just property carnage everywhere of course the book tries to do its best to be like yeah people aren't getting hurt okay <laughs> um um and you've got like Jimmy there and talking to this this fake Clark. Like on one hand, like even if, even if I was like a seasoned photographer like Jimmy and used to like Superman like battle situations, like this is not the kind of place where you want to be chill. But they're like taking their time to be like, who is this Clark Kent? And of course, he's not being helpful at all, saying something like I've been captured or whatever. 
So he's basically inserted himself in the situation, won't leave even though five different characters have basically told him, get out of here, you're clearly not Superman because you're like you broke your arm, but still decides to stick around. So, and I think because of the dated writing, like we're clearly dealing with an intense situation and that intensity and that sense of urgency isn't being felt because so many of the characters are just kind of like spinning their heels in place and talking like they're not in the middle of like <laughs> doomsday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I just I, I, I read, finished this issue and I was like didn't I just read this the last five issues like <laughs> in the course of the issue Doomsday does leave Metropolis because he, he senses Superman's son and decides to go after him but then never actually gets there Superman in, like inter- finds them first and sends them in a different direction and uh, but then Doomsday does show up but hits Lois and, and John are you know out of the scene and oh, Wonder Woman shows up in this issue too, and of course, and I think this this part was probably smart. Like they kind of touch on the fact that Wonder Woman was in a relationship with the New Fifty Two Superman, but like, well, that woman Wonder Woman is mature enough to know this is a different Superman, and she doesn't mind that Lois, you know, like doesn't feel weird that that the Superman's married to Lois when she was in love with Superman, and like I obviously like no one really wants to read a story about Wonder Woman pining for a Superman that isn't her own. That doesn't make sense for her. So I guess that part was nice, but it's just, it's just like, I'm just like, if, if it's taking five issues to tell, to repeat the doomsday story where, but whereas you know that this Superman isn't going to die in the same way that probably none of these characters are going to die means that there's no stakes and whatever my sh- I don't even know what the heck's going to shake out of this story. Like, okay, they must just presumably stop doomsday or he gets temporarily defeated and you know, he's going to come back in a future arc. It's just, it's it's decompression or padding in the worst possible way. And kind of like your issue, this issue did nothing to move the story forward and simply just repeated everything that had already occurred on the last four issues. So, yeah, I, I think at this point I'm like, I'm done. Maybe I'll check back in the future or check out with the next storyline, see what the heck's going on with this mystery Clark Kent. Um, but other than that, also, the... The art, the first issue, maybe the first two issues, was by Patrick Zercher. And you could see he brought his A game. Solid character work. Um, you know, just everything looked good. And this issue, Tyler Kirkman's been drawing, who has not really a similar style to Patrick Zercher. Like, his lines are a bit more rough, whereas Patrick Zercher has, like, solid lines. Um, but at the same, And I've liked certain work I've seen by Tyler Kirkman, but he's never been one of those artists that I've been super thrilled with. But there's clearly, like... Every, all these artists now that are trying to handle the, the double shipping for DC are clearly under the wire because even for Tyler, like, like this it just clearly isn't Tyler Kirkman's best work. There's, like, one really cool shot of woman, Wonder Woman entering the battle, but the rest of the issue just kind of felt rushed and not mm-hmm. necessarily finished. Like, there's just a feeling like this book is getting pumped out and, oh, well, we're double shipping so we can take more time with the story, if that's really the case, but even if you're taking time with the story, it doesn't mean that you need to have the same exact events happen five issues in a row. Yeah. Yeah. The double shipping is kind of a blessing and like, and a curse for some books, it seems, or maybe a blessing for some, a curse for others. Like Batman has felt really great. You know, having the issues come this fast has been able to tell a really great fast paced story. Uh, but like with this, it just seems like, yeah, things are kind of like dragging their feet and you have room to, you know, to go quick, to, to go fast, people you know people aren't going to forget something in a in a two week span as they might over a month. So you can be a lot you know you don't have to spend as much time recapping the last issue or you know trying to make sure everyone's caught up. You know yeah it's and that's basically yeah. what this book is doing. It's recapping every issue is a recap of the previous issue more or less. And I, I'm using some of these terms lightly and being kind of facetious, but using Batman as, as an example. It's a book where, all right, if it, like, some people have the methodology of, well, if we're shipping more issues in less time, then we can uh, let the story kind of evolve and explore itself. Mm-hmm. From some, on some level, I can respect that, but you still got to push the story along. Five yeah. issues of the same exact doomsday fight, more or less, does not constitute letting the story breathe. It's basically wasting people's time. If there clearly isn't that much doomsday story to tell, don't waste telling it. If it, right. like, it's and I think what, what we've seen with the weekly series where they try to pad it out to fifty-two issues. Given like I mean, 
they clearly are just working with not enough story material to try and pad out that much. So you just end up with issues that just feel completely inconsequential and barely move the story along. Whereas something like, say, Batman Robin, Robin Eternal worked a bit better being 26 issues. I would say that that series probably could have been even shorter. Mm-hmm. You know, just tell, like, like don't feel like you have to somehow feel like, oh, I'm going to take 12 issues to tell a story. If you can tell it in six, if you can tell it in three. So if, like Batman, it feels like it's giving you something unique in every issue while building on the story from the previous issue. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Any, any, so, any other thoughts there on, on action comics? Do you feel better? Do you feel better now that you've gotten that all off your chest? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want to give credit where credit's due. I'm, I'm sad because I, I actually went into this, the, the rebirth era for action comics, actually enjoying it, but just very quickly have now been like, no, not feeling it. So yeah, yeah. I'm good. It was very exciting to be like, oh, they're going back to the legacy numbering, and and the first issue had some promise to it, uh, where, and again, again, over on like detective comics side, and and I would say like the Superman book has also been taking really good advantage of the 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 double shipping, uh, like that book's been really great. So I don't want to say like, oh, Batman book's doing good, Superman book's doing bad. Like the mm-hmm. Superman book is is great and is awesome um but like yeah to have action comics kind of faltering while like detective comics is doing a pretty good job over there is uh is a little sad it's a little a little sad but hey we will uh i'll probably talk about oh no detective comics is this week so we'll talk about something next week and maybe detective comics in two weeks <laughs> uh do you have any other books that you read you just want to make any quick comments on anything sticking out to you you feel like you just gotta say it's burning in your soul no, nah, I you know I did read a handful of DC today actually. Um, didn't get to my Marvel books, and so much you know like Civil War two came out this week, but I just haven't even gotten around to it. I've kind of lost the burn for that. I don't know if I ever really had the burn, but um, yeah, that book kind of fell off my radar now. Um, no, no, I think we can move on to news. All right. Well, in that case, we're gonna go ahead and get the news from. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. He's always delivering it right on time, right when we need it here in the show. And, of course, San Diego Comic-Con happened this last weekend. Uh, but unlike previous years, uh, it just doesn't seem like we got as much out of it. Nick, how do you what, 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 how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't like super plugged into it. Um, San Diego Comic Con has kind of evolved to being more about multimedia movies, properties, yeah. especially like the movies and TV shows of comic books, if not things that have absolutely nothing to do with comic books. Right. Like, um, but my potentially like have some like cross... the Blair Witch sequel. Yeah, you know, some and I can understand some of the there's some cross pollination. There are people that obviously like comics and comic adaptations mm-hmm. might go for some other stuff, and it can help sort of field test interest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest stuff coming out of SDCC was trailers um, yeah. and uh, mostly movie news. Uh, I'm trying to actually, rec- I'm sure there was some sort of comic book news. I think Marvel announced like Inhumans versus X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got a couple of, yeah. But like last year, Marvel, you know, this was before Secret Wars started and Marvel came out and was like, here's all the crazy Secret War things we're doing. And uh Maybe just maybe because like there were so many of those, it felt like the volume last year was huge, and because they didn't have that, like it just seems like there's a lot less going on. Uh, it's that. it's like yeah, well, I mean that's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and what I've noticed too is that like Marvel and DC and a lot of publishers will actually make the announcements prior. They do, to San yeah. Diego. So you, when you're actually looking at all the articles, like the SDCC colon and this, it's it's either regurgitating things that you've already learned, and if there's some sort of panel discuss discussion about it, like there are, they're basically just regurgitating what was said in some kind of press release, so you mm-hmm. don't feel like you're being hit with brand new information. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of been a bummer with the whole announcements beforehand. But you know, maybe maybe in a future issue we can kind of talk about the state of cons and where they're at and. But right now, let's just kind of look at some of the stuff that came out. And probably the biggest stuff that got revealed uh, were all the various trailers that came out. And Specifically, I mean, okay, so I put Doctor Strange on the list. But I, I would say, well, it does illuminate the story a bit more and has some cool moments. 
it doesn't. It's not necessarily that much more groundbreaking than the previous trailer. Yeah. So we can yeah, kind of shuffle that one we, off. We got to check see, it out if you want. We got to see the effects a little bit more, which does seem pretty neat. But um, I would say, out of all the trailers, the two big ones, of course, are it's, we got the first Wonder Woman trailer and uh, the first Justice League trailer. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and dive into those. Let's dive into Wonder Woman uh, first of all. So the big reaction that everybody had to the Wonder Woman trailer is. Oh my God! There's color in a DC film, uh, and yes, this this movie does have very bright uh, blue and red, you know, kind of all over the place and and various colors. Uh, it is, yeah, it's it does. I I don't know what I'm exactly. Pop. It does pop, but it also is part of it is because that they are also making a straight up war movie. I would say even more so than uh, Captain America, the first Avenger was uh, like this. They seem to like they're going to be treading a lot more on the reality of war. Uh, and they're going to be doing that with peppered in badass fight scenes of Gal Gadot and her golden lasso that lights up when she fights and uh, beating up soldiers who like break their weapons over her. It just it looks awesome looks awesome no it it does um you know i i think going into the first film a lot of people including myself was like uh wonder woman set in world war one like what's with that um and it's definitely a unique setting it'll be cool to you know i mean yes we saw her in present day with batman v superman and we will again in justice league and more than likely in wonder woman 2 um, so it's interesting that they they went the World War One route because having first off having Wonder Woman supposedly this Wonder Woman is like several thousand years old, mm-hmm. so she's they're kind of, they're basically going that she's an immortal almost god kind of she's not a god but she is an immortal you know that's <laughs> brought to life by Zeus neat <laughs> I I love that line that was that a was, great line um you know that's that's an angle that, as far as I know, hasn't really been explored with Wonder Woman before. Like, it's it's a, an interesting way to look at her. Um, but I obviously, World War One, any war really, is uh, paints a dark reflection on humanity and some of our baser, uh, less um, uh, nice <laughs> attributes. <laughs> um, so, obviously, having her come from her culture and some sort of the Wonder Woman e things, where she's about peace, prosperity, yeah. and democracy, or not—I guess not necessarily democracy per se—but just you're based sort of a kumbaya type effect, but honestly uh-huh. being like hippie-ish. Um, and then sort of having her be confronted in a very, very dark time in, in human history. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you have John Noble playing a bad guy, which I always support one hundred percent. Because he, of course, is amazing in Lord of the Rings and very tragic in Fringe. Uh, what? Oh, so one moment that really sold the movie for me actually came at the end of the trailer. Like, you know, I was totally on board. I'm like, yeah, this looks really cool. Uh, there's like the action is going to be awesome. But what really sold me that they're going to nail the character was this line at the very end of the trailer when she meets Etta Candy. And Etta Candy explains kind of what a secretary is. Uh, and it's, you know, it's basically it's doing whatever Steve Trevor wants me to like, get done for him. Like, you know, set all his meetings and do all his calls, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Wonder Woman's response is, where I come from, we call that slavery. Uh, so, like, to have just that, that a character with that mindset, mm-hmm. like, that is that is Wonder Woman, especially, like, this golden age Wonder Woman semi-close to uh, the original vision of her, of course, without all the, the bondage and loving submission stuff. That seems to not be present in this trailer. I don't know, maybe it will be, but I doubt it uh, as in future incarnations, but uh, you have a look on your face? No, no, no. I, I mean, basically we're dealing with a culture clash here in the sense that we're from where Wonder Woman comes from. Though, it's it's weird, like, obviously from a cultural from our cultural standpoint she's considered a feminist icon but from a like in story perspective like she comes from an island woman who granted preach you know peace and acceptance and all of that but also don't allow any men on their islands uh-huh. so at this i'm not saying that that paints them as liams or anything but she's not necessarily coming from a perspective of say like feminism which the true feminism is 
equality between men and women, not just, you know, woman power. It's, it's about creating an equal playing field. But at the same time, her ideals, which seem totally normal to her, and they're dropping her at a, at a time, obviously very, very terrible human conflict, but culturally as well, whether you be in Europe or in the United States or anything, you know, where, you know, feminism just was barely an idea, you know, back then. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say I'm an expert on feminist history, but, you know, obviously that's one of the things they're going to try and play up in the film uh, with one of them sort of come, like sort of butting up against notions of what a, you know, it's obviously there's still issues today that, that like serious issues that, that women face today, but there's a certain uh, modern cultural um, effort to try and like avoid looking at it. Like we, we think, you know, like it, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not there or it's not as present. It's not as in your face as like the 1950s housewife is or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, women were probably were dealing with in, in, in the 1920s. Um, so, oh, come on, I get something really good going and I start to tra- trail off. Um, so by having her in World War One. Fuck it, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> uh, another, uh, you go. Another great line from the trailer uh, that also was again sold this character to me. When Steve Trevor's like, "I can't allow you to do this," and her response is, "What I do is not up to you." Uh, just, I'm really excited to see more of this character, and Gal Gadot is really owning this role. And, uh, and yeah, it just seems like they're on the right track with this with this movie and how things are going uh, now. A movie that people have been concerned about more so is Justice League because we still have Zack Snyder uh, at the helm there. Nick, what were your thoughts on Justice League? I was hyped for Batman v Superman. Ultimately, it fell short of expectations uh, and it had a lot of problems. And while a, a large part of me, not a large part, but while a part of me still liked it for what it wanted to be like I, I was disappointed um, with Justice League obviously it, the trailer is fun let's just put it out there the trailer itself is is fun it's snappy um, there seems to be a good chem- chemistry uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting a great vibe that Batman that um, uh, Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot have great chemistry I, I mean, there was very kind of there was like one brief conversation with them, so I'm, I'm my opinion's still evolving on that. There's clearly clearly great dynamic between uh, Ben Affleck and Ezra Miller. Uh, we didn't really get anything with Cyborg in it, and then of course the Aquaman was it was Momoa man, like it was it was Jason Momoa being Jason Momoa while dressed in Aquaman uh, suit. Yeah, um, and this movie is still in production. I think that's why we didn't see a lot of Cyborg. Is I think they. It, from my perspective, they rushed his suit CGI for this trailer. Yeah. I think it'll look probably a lot better when the final when, movie, when the comes, movie out. comes out. Yeah, but, but obviously, this trailer is sort of a, a declaration of like we heard that you said that Batman v Superman was not fun and too dark. This movie still looks dark as far as like the aesthetic um, and the lighting and the the color palette and but, so forth. But, but they're yeah. clearly trying to emphasize this is gonna be fun now. The trailer might accomplish that, but I, I'd rather be cautiously optimistic, emphasis on the, ca- the caution, just mm-hmm. because you can cut a trailer to be a certain way and the movie can seem fantastic. But when you get to the actual nuts and bolts and the actual the way that the story is set up, it it might have some fun moments, but overall still fall apart. So yeah, yeah, no, and that's and that's true. Um, I would say part of the difference for for this versus like uh batman v superman is that the trailer really kind of only had one like big comedic moment for batman v superman where like this trailer has a has a couple of really great lines so hopefully that's not all the humor that's uh that's in it i mean they mentioned that barry allen is gonna bring a levity to it and i thought that ezra meller looks really great i know for a lot of people saying that like, he's not acting like barry allen he's acting a little bit more like wally west uh, which I mean, that's I think that's fine. Given that they have a really great Barry Allen on TV, he's got to kind of do something different. Um, and I'm glad they made him kind of clean up a little bit because, like, when when you saw him in Batman v Superman, you know, with like the 
the kind of like wispy mustache and like the long hair. It just that that look wasn't working for me as far as a flash was concerned. Uh, mm -hmm. But I really like what we saw in this trailer. And yeah, Jason Momoa looks looks great. Uh, it's you know it's it's so early to to call this, but if they continue on with how things are in this trailer, then I think you know we're ramping up to something pretty cool. But you know, again, <laughs> I I realize that there's like this this concerted effort to make things fun or even funny, and and I'm not gonna say that every Marvel movie is great, uh, and while yeah. they are fun. You know, they have some fun moments. Like, at the end of the day, like, you can have as many jokes as you want, but if the story falls flat, if it's if yeah. it, the, the, the pacing isn't there, it's too rushed or too slow, whatever the case may be, the story falls flat. So, yes, make Justice League uh, a fun action adventure, you know. But at the same time, like, how is it going to be structured? How is it going to be paced? You know, in between these jokes, is it compelling? I'd be totally cool with a super serious Justice League film. I was fine on a level with a super serious Batman v Superman film, but ultimately the execution fell flat. Well, yeah, you and I are are cool with that. And but what people, what people are demanding, is well, I want these to be fun, and that's like, like yeah, they they could do something super serious. And I th I think Wonder Woman actually looks fairly serious. You know, they had a couple of moments of levity, but. That seems to be serious, kind of in the right direction. Uh, but the big response to Batman v Superman was, well, that wasn't fun. And I want to have fun at superhero movies. Marvel's always fun. Pe movies like this need to be fun. So if you're yeah. like, kind of taking that and they're like, okay, so Justice League, like, which isn't bad. They're saying, all right, we'll make Justice League fun. And, I mean, yeah, well, it, it'll all remain to see how this movie actually shapes up. Uh, and we will, of course, talk about it lots and lots as trailers come out and as uh when the movie actually hits theaters in over a year from now uh but there's still lots of other isn't it in 2017 it's 2017 yeah like end of 2017 i'm pretty sure it's november justice league release date we'll find out what uh that can't be right june 14 nope 2019 that's what that's it's... part two yeah yeah, this okay, November seventeenth. Okay. Uh though they're not part one and part two anymore, they're just Justice, Justice League, League and whatever the cycle right. is gonna be. Uh anyway. Uh on the T V side, lots of stuff came out. There was uh the Legion trailer hit Nick. Did you watch the Legion trailer? I did and I liked it. Yeah, it looks really interesting it's a mini series right no i think uh, it's an actual full-on tv show uh let's you know man you would think that we would do this research uh before you know i mean doing this show but channels like like fox and nbc and all that aren't really into mini series they're more into um you know actual ongoing efforts to draw people in mm -hmm. so it is uh it's well standalone it's it taking place in the greater um, X-Men universe? Do we know? I believe it is. Okay, I mean, they, they, they do say the word mutants. Yeah, it clearly uh, takes place in an X-Men world. I think the idea is that it does take place in the same universe, uh, but... I think so. I mean, Fox's X-Men universe is all over the place, so yeah. where it takes place within that universe is, you know... Um, I think someone convinced me that it was going to be a miniseries for some reason. Uh, well, oh, apparently it does act as a standalone, despite acknowledging Legion as a mutant. Uh, so, yeah, no, the the, the trailer looked really interesting. Uh, looks like they're going to... Like, like, the story seems very... Like, like, there's a lot of mystery surrounding it. It seems complex in the way that really draws me in. Uh, I'm I'm on board. I'm very curious to see how this goes. I thought this might just be something that kind of, like, was barely going to be on my radar. But now now it's uh, the fourth time you've dropped your pen. Uh, now it's kind of, like, ramped up a little bit where I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm going to keep an eye on the release date. I'm going to see when this comes out so that I can watch it. It's one of those things where you sit back and like, all right, I'm impressed. And also, Aubrey Plaza's in it, so I kind of I like Aubrey Plaza. Is a bonus. That helps. Um, 
All right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, other stuff came out. SDCC, there was, like, some Flash and Arrow trailers which I didn't get to. Um, but you can, you and you're, and you're still behind. So. I'm still behind. You can find these all online. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big news, though, which I guess came out of uh, San Diego, was it's official. Brie Larson will be Marvel's Captain Marvel. Marvel's Captain Marvel. Yep. Shazam, folks. That's uh, Shazam was actually a, a headline that somebody used to uh, for this news, which is, which is awesome. Hopefully they're being cheeky. Uh, nope, I think they're idiots. But it doesn't matter. They probably just Googled Captain Marvel and came up with that pretty quick. Uh, but, yeah, this is exciting. This is something that was rumored, uh, was sort of an all-but-confirmed moment. Uh, and now we have officially the word. She just got herself an Oscar, so now she's going to go be a superhero. That's the way to do it. Yeah. It. Um, Her real name is Brienne Sidoni de Saulnier, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. It's not Brienne of House Tarth? No. Brienne, Brian, or Brienne Sidoni de Saulnier. It's probably Brienne. It's probably Brienne. Uh, yeah, but Bri- freshly known as Brie Larson. Ah, uh, yeah, very cool. I'm, I'm curious to see her because I don't in my head. I'm having a hard time kind of placing her as a superhero, which is not to say that she can't pull it off. Uh, she just kind of has this very sweet demeanor, so that'll be kind of that'll be actually a lot of fun to have this girl with a really sweet demeanor being super kick ass. So she's first off. I'm older than her. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing about the cat now, I like Brie Larson, and uh, I liked her back when I was watching United States of Tara. Um, never, like, looked at her and was like, man, she could be Captain Marvel one day. And I think some people were like, like, it's it's going to be, we're going to have to see just how she looks. Now, people said the same thing about Benedict Cumberbatch and even about, like, I think people even said the same thing with um, Chris Evans. Um I think we just kind of see how Marvel would, I think at this point, Marvel's pretty smart. I'm not saying everything they make is gold, but they they would not have picked her if they hadn't done some kind of screen tests and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And seen and all of people are like, oh, but she in the comic she's like a USAF right. like captain and like you know that she, takes you, you usually don't get like she's twenty six like you don't usually get there by the time you're twenty six. Well, um, I'm gonna go with either they're gonna stretch it, which they kind of tried to do with um, Blake Lively in the Green Lantern movie, and I don't think that worked. Uh-huh. Um, or they're just anything, gonna kind of brush that off. Yeah, I think if she's going to be Captain Marvel, I think her name will just be Captain Marvel. But she might not be an actual captain in the military. Mm-hmm. If anything, they'll probably reduce her actual military ranking mm-hmm. uh, to some extent um, for the role that fits her age and, and all that. Um, chances are Brie Larson's also going to get ripped for the role. Uh, yeah, um, probably already is. Probably already is, if she is. Yeah, if she is already. She's currently getting ripped for the role. Um so I mean, like, there's, it's it's easy to be skeptical, but I'm pretty confident that when we I'm, finally see the eventual suit photos and all of that, that uh, we'll be duly impressed. Yeah, I'm not I'm not skeptical. It's just I'm at a point where it's like, well, I can't picture it, but I'm, you know, okay, so like, show it to me, and I'm sure I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm all in on that. Uh, I was going to say something else about Brie Larson, uh, but I completely forget. She's great in Scott Pilgrim. That's you know, that's all I got. Um, oh. Okay, I remember I was listening to a podcast this morning, and they were mentioning that, oh, you know, they cast her, she's 26 years old, like, they're casting kind of on the upper end for women in these sort of roles, and I was like, well, look, that's kind of a strange comment. Let me look up Gal Gadot, who is 31 years old, and totally kicking ass. So, you know what, people? You don't work in Hollywood. Uh, Also, out of San Diego Comic-Con... We got confirmed that Kurt Russell is playing Star-Lord's dad, and the name of, of his character is Ego the Living Planet. That's right. Star-Lord is half-planet. That's all. I, that's really all I got on that one. Yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be... I don't even remember some of the uh, the theories that people had out there, but no one, no one, no one saw said ego the living. Planet. No, there was one guy. There was one guy on a forum that like nobody really reads, who was probably like, "I bet it's gonna be ego the living planet," <laughs> and like everybody was like just skipped over it because they were having a flame war back and forth, 
And that guy feels super vindicated right now as he's stuffing Cheetos into his mouth. I think I remember a lot of people being like, oh, I bet it's the collector. The collector's his dad. Uh, like, I would have hated being, that. That, you know, and fortunately the collector, you know, it feels with people like um, Glenn Close, uh, Benicio Del Toro, and John, John C. the guy from Talladega Nights, and I'm blanking John, on his name. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. I, um, I don't think all, any of them, the three of them, are going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So that will be interesting. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, James Gunn basically says, don't worry, once you see the movie, it'll make sense. Well, and it's, it's for people who are hearing this like that, super weird. I mean, the ego has taken on human forms before or like projected himself as human. It's whatever. It's a comic book. That's just go with it, guys. It's fine. Yeah, but... Our last bit of news as we're rolling out of here is that Jeff Johns has been promoted and into the role of president of DC Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Nick, now, to elaborate that on that, he's president and chief... He's, so he's been the chief creative officer, basically helping kind of manage the, the transition from characters in the comic book space to multimedia platforms. But yeah, so now he's the president and chief creative officer of DC Entertainment. Um, so in addition to his new role as president, John, I'm, I'm reading this from um, comic book news, uh, comic book resources. Um, Johns will continue to guide film and television adaptations of Warner Brothers, DC Comics, intellectual properties. So apparently, even though he's the president, he will be answering to Diane Nelson, who's been the president of DC Entertainment. Apparently, she's also the president of Warner Brothers Consumer Products and president chief content officer of Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. That is a lot of different roles. That is. Also, it sounds like Warner Brothers likes to have two people in the role of all major executive roles because you have Dan Didio and Jim Lee basically sharing the same role. Um, and as far as I can see, as much as he's referring to um, – sorry – um, um, answering to Diane Nelson, it sounds like they basically have their, they're both the president of DC entertainment. Mm-hmm. So while she is also, hand, if anything, it sounds like she's got her hands in some other stuff. I can only imagine how they manage their time. Um, I imagine he at becoming president means he's going to be taking some of the load off of her as far as sort of the top down running of DC entertainment. So that is yep. a guy, just to say, Jeff Johns is a guy that literally started from the bottom. And I don't mean, like, from the street's bottom, but he literally started as the as uh, a guy who stumbled in, more or less stumbled into being the assistant of Richard Donner, who directed the original Christopher Reeve Superman movie, mm-hmm. and is now president of DC Entertainment. I mean, good for him. Like, yeah, and he's he's a guy that, who's, you know, got, he's, he's got a good grasp on all of this. And uh, I kind of you know i was kind of a a jeff johns hater back when that was a popular thing to be but then i saw him kind of like writing a couple episodes of arrow that were the best of their season at the time and uh just sticking into some more of his stuff and you know the guys the guy's good at what he does and hopefully he's going to be able to guide dc kind of out of their rut you know everybody says that what they need over there is, is a Kevin Feig, Feige, Feige, uh, and hopefully Jeff Johns can be that guy, kind of get a vision and get everybody on the right track, and we will keep our eyes on you. Uh, oh, one more thing as we're wrapping up here. There was also a Defenders trailer. Uh, if you live in the MCU and live in New York City, move out. It's not worth it. That place is getting destroyed and attacked every 10 minutes. Get... <laughs> it was really more of a teaser. I don't think they even showed anything. No, they didn't. There was also a trailer for Iron Fist, though, and for, right. uh, and, yeah. and for Luke, Luke Cage. Cage. Iron Fist. Yeah, those look uh, – are those. well, again, Iron Fist was kind of a teaser. Uh, but Luke Cage, we got some actual footage on, and that is looking – pretty awesome yeah uh but yeah that i think is going to kind of do it for us this week as we wind down we have to ask ourselves the age-old question you boys aren't nerds are you absolutely we are nerds and uh we're going to recommend some nerdy stuff for you nick what are you going to recommend well i haven't spent a lot of time reading comic books in the last week so (laughs) i will recommend um, people, if you find that you are addicted to something, oh God, seek help. There's therapists 
uh, local therapist that can certainly help you. If it's really extreme, you can probably check into some kind of uh, facility to help you out. Um, but if you're okay with said addiction and it's not hardcore drugs or alcohol or anything super serious, check out Final Fantasy X. Oh, God. That came out back in 2001. There's HD remasters for PlayStation 3 and 4. And uh, it's got a very interesting, complex story that doesn't make a lot of sense, but also it does. It makes no the sense. Battle system. Battle system. Battle system. <laughs> the battle system uh, is uh, entertaining and fun to customize. And that's all I really got because I know I'm pissing David off. So, David, <laughs> recommend what you're going to recommend. All right. So, I'm going to do something that I don't ever do, but Nick has done a couple of times so he can shut his mouth before he tries to say anything about it. I'm going to recommend something that's not directly comic book related, but it is because of comic books that I have a deep love for it. And that is Bojack Horseman season three. Uh, Bojack you, Horseman. You already watched the whole thing. I watched it in one day. Damn. Yeah. So Bojack Horseman, for those who don't remember is a show that, uh, we got into myself more than Nick because of an ad in front of a comic book and, and, not in front of a comic book in like the first page of a comic uh i was like this is so bizarre i have to check it out i fell in love and i've watched the show a couple times through uh and i've watched season three last week when it came out and it is heavy stuff it's dark uh it's it's really diving into uh what's wrong with bojack and his destructive decisions um but it is just really high quality really good stuff uh, it is worth checking out and your time. If you think it looks too weird, you are wrong. Uh, get in there, guys. Watch BoJack uh, on Netflix now and will continue to be as long as Netflix is a thing. Well, that is going to do it for the show. Uh, if you have... Well, if you want to check out more about us, you can head over to heckyeahcomics.com or follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. We would love to hear from you. Uh, any thoughts you have, we are coming up pretty close here on episode 100. Uh, so if you have any thoughts you want to share, stuff that we can share on that uh, big moment for us, we would love for you to send it to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. It's all Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find Nick claiming he doesn't have a problem while not doing anything but play Final Fantasy X. And as always, you can find us here next week. Same Heck Yeah time, same Heck Yeah channel. If you enjoyed the show, then please do tell your friends about it. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Ever.